Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we take the Word of God and preach a timely message from the pulpit of Victory Baptist Church of Fallon, Nevada. Today, we're going to be looking at uh, our series, Come Closer, Seven Commands to Draw Closer to God. This is message number six. We have one more in this uh, series. Um, And today, we're going to be talking about Come Closer abide. As we've been looking through these commands of Christ so far, you've noticed that Jesus' commandments are never complicated. What makes them easy, he makes them very easy to understand. He's straightforward with what he tells us and what we can expect when we obey. Think about what we've looked at so far. Repent and believe and you'll have eternal life. Come with childlike faith, and you will be saved. Find the narrow way, and you'll have eternal life. Love God with everything, and you'll love others like you should. Worship in spirit and in truth, and you'll experience the true worship that God desires. All of these are simple, but they're not easy. If you remember, even... Uh, last year when we were looking at worshiping through work, I said, hey, all of these things are simple, but they're not easy. One plus one is a simple math problem. But if you don't know math, it's not easy. One times one is also a simple math problem. But if you don't know how to multiply, it's not easy. Uh, There's a simple action and reaction to what he has commanded. You don't see him telling people to jump through unnecessary hoops in order to have a close relationship with him. That's the amazing thing about Jesus. It's religion that makes the unnecessary loops and the unnecessary hoops to jump through in order to have a relationship with God. But not God. God doesn't do that. Even this morning as you guys were uh, in Sunday school, and yes, I listened in on Sunday school, We looked at uh, the Ten Commandments, just a brief overview of the Ten Commandments. They were pretty simple and straightforward. There's no question as to what he wants us to do or not to do. Right? It It was very simple and straightforward for us. And he also did it because he wants us to know that he loves us. Those Ten Commandments weren't given to us to restrict us but rather allow us to have a rich relationship with God that he desires for us to have. So even as we've been looking at these commands that Christ gives and drawing closer to God, he has left them very simple to understand. The problem is, is our flesh refuses to allow us to execute what he has commanded in our lives. I only want you to respond in your heart to this question that I'm about to ask. How many of you would say, I want to have the strongest, most satisfying relationship with Christ that I could ever have, and I don't care what it cost me to have it? Answer that in your heart. I want to have the most satisfying, strongest relationship, and I will do whatever it takes to have this, no matter what it costs. Understand that this is a big ask. 
This means that we have to set aside our selfish desires and our own ambitions. But if God has promised that us that we can have the fullest life, then guess what is, prom- is, is possible for us to have the strong uh, Uh, the kind of strong life and the satisfying relationship with Christ, then the command that we look at today is key to having that type of relationship. It's a simple three-word command that Jesus gives to us today. Today we're going to look at come closer. Abide in me. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would use your word today, that you would just speak to our hearts, God. I pray that you would take your Holy Spirit and, Lord, Would you touch each of our lives? Uh, Each person who knows you as Savior here this morning has the Spirit who's indwelling them right at this moment. And Lord, I pray that they would open the the spigot wide open and allow that Spirit to speak to them today. That they would not uh, hold back anything from you. God, that they would not quench the Spirit. But Lord, that even now, those who are uh, tempted to sit and and say, I don't want to listen because I know what he's going to tell me, but it's too hard. God, that they would stop quenching the spirit and they would say, God, I am fully surrendered to whatever you speak to me about today. Because God, you promised me fullness of life. You promised me the best life that I could ever have. But God, my selfish ambitions, my, my flesh my uh, sinful desires, they stand in the way of what you desire to do in my life. But God, I desire today for me to understand how to abide in you. And God, would you speak to my heart? Lord, I pray that we would pray that as a whole, as a church. Because Lord, I believe that we, if we can grasp the concept of what we see in your word today, it has the ability to not only uh, turn this church upside down for you, but to turn Fallon upside down for Jesus Christ. And Lord, please, would you speak to our hearts? Would you give me the strength that I need today as well? Uh, Lord, I thank you that we can be here in your house to receive your word. Speak to us as only you can in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to start in verse number 4 of uh, John chapter 15. It says, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no no more can ye. Except you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so that ye may be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. If you're in the habit of doing so, I want you to either highlight or underline some things from the verses that we just looked at. There are nine times that the word abide or continue are used. In verse number four, it's at the beginning of the verse and at the end of the verse. In verse number five, it's right there in the middle of the verse after he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me. Verse number six, if a man abide not in me, underline that. Verse number seven, if ye abide in me 
And my words abide in you. Underline those. Verse number 9. Continue ye in my love. Verse number 10. Ye shall abide in my love. And then the very last uh, four words. Abide in his love. The command that Christ gives us here. It starts with abide in me. And, and when we see this emphasized throughout the scripture nine times, do you think it might be important, that word abide? Do you think that he might be trying to emphasize something to us, to repeat that word that many times to us? Number one, what does the word, what does it mean to abide? What does it mean to abide? It actually has several meanings, and we'll understand this in just a moment. Before we can understand the command, we probably need to understand the word abide and what it means. Abide means to live, exist, thrive, function, or stand, to remain as one. You see, this isn't just a, a, a simple word. It has more meaning to it than just abide. He's trying to get a message to us to help us understand what this command means. To understand the command, you can take each of those definitions of abide and begin to see a clear picture of what Jesus said. Live in me. Exist in me. Thrive in me. Function through me. Stand in me. Remain as one with me. Do you understand what Jesus is saying today? He says, apart from him, you do not even exist the way that he wants you to. You cannot live the way that he wants you to. You cannot thrive the way that he wants you to. You can't function the way that he wants you to. You can't stand in the way that he wants you to. You have to remain as one with Jesus Christ. When I said that Jesus makes this command easy to understand, it doesn't mean that it's easy for us to follow the command. Think about those statements. What he just gave and how we tend to react to them. When he says to live in me, we desire to live for self. When he says to exist in me, we tend to live for our own existence. He said thrive in me, but we try to thrive on what the world says is good for us. He said function through me, and we function through our own feelings and our own strength. He said, stand with me, but we lean towards our own understanding and we stand on our own. And he said, remain as one with me, but we want to tell him how we want to live and tell him how he needs to remain in our lives. You see, this is a real problem. He has promised us a a, a wonderful life. A house fully furnished, fully with everything that we need in our lives. And and all he says is we have to do what he asks us to do. We say, oh, if God told us to do that, we would do that. Then why don't we? Why do we say that we want him so badly, but we won't follow his command? And the truth is, we all struggle with this. We know that. And we know that we're going to struggle with sin. And we know that we're going to struggle with self. The old man was crucified with him, but the old man also rears his ugly head. John said in 1 John chapter 2, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father. Because even John understood that we're going to struggle with sin. 
But here's the thing that I'm troubled with in my own heart is how often do I see the goodness of God? I can see the favor that he wants to put on my life. It's sitting right in front of me and I still choose to go the other direction. I still choose not to abide in what he's given me and abide in him and abide in the goodness of the life that he desires to give me. Why? Because I'm too full of self. This command is simple. You want the blessings that are already yours to enjoy as my children? Then abide in me. Number two. What happens when we don't abide in Christ? This passage makes it pretty clear what happened when we're not abiding in Christ. In this passage, Christ isn't talking to the unbelievers. He's talking about those who have repented and believed as, as Christ had commanded. He's talking to the believer. Jesus is addressing those listening that if they want to thrive in the new life that he's given them, that they have to abide in him. And if they don't, they are living with dead faith. They may know him as Savior, but they're not his disciples. He gives us three things that happens when we're not abiding in him. In verse number four, he says you cannot bear fruit. If you don't abide in Christ, you're not going to bear fruit. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes in our lives, we do abide in Christ, but then we walk away. And it might seem like there's fruit in our life for a little while, but you know what eventually is going to happen? It's going to wither. It's going to rot. And it's going to prove not. We have grapevines at our house. You know, those grapes were on the vine for a long time, even after the leaves and everything else were dead. But it wasn't getting what it needed any longer. Why? Plant went into hibernation. Grapes weren't going to last much longer. Why? Because they weren't abiding in what it needs. This is the picture that he gives us. If you don't abide in him, there'll be no fruit. What happens when we're not abiding in Christ? Without me, you can do nothing. You understand that in your Christian life without Christ, you can't do anything? Coming to church just because you're a Christian, if you're not doing it in Christ, it's nothing. Even going out and telling people about Jesus, if you're not doing it while abiding in Christ, it's nothing. Yeah, you understand we're weak and he is strong. We have to stand in his strength and not our own. But the only way we can do that is if we're abiding in the vine. If we're abiding in Christ. What else can't we do? Or what else happens if we don't abide in Christ? Verse number six, we're gathered as a withered branch, cast into the fire and are burned. Do you understand the seriousness of what Jesus is saying? He says, I want you to abide in me because if you're not abiding in me, your life is a waste. You're to be gathered up and put to waste. I can't use you. But his desire is to use us. His desire is to give us the best life we could ever have. 
Today we have churches that are full of people who are worshiping and working, but they're doing so with a dead faith. They're going through all the motions of being a good Christian, but they aren't abiding in Christ. So there's no fruit in their life. They feel like everything they do is for nothing. And they have no true joy in their walk with Christ. Why? Because they're doing it on their own and their faith is dead. Just like we are to worship in spirit and truth, we have to live in the spirit and we have to live in the truth. Look what James says in James 2.26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. There's a lot of people that struggle with James because they think that James is speaking of saving faith. When he says, show me your faith without your works, and I'm going to show you my faith by my works. He's not talking about the saving faith. He's talking about the sustaining faith. The thriving in Christ faith. There's a lot of people they go through their lives, and for whatever reason... They've cut themselves off from God because I don't think God will cut himself off from you. If you are trying to live in him and abide in him, he's not going to cut himself off from you. But there are people who come to churches who have cut themselves off from the, uh, from the blessings of God. They've cut them, their branches off from the vine, and they're trying to do everything on their own. And while the fruit may be there for a little while, eventually it rots. And then they sit there and they say, well, I just don't understand why there's no joy in my life. I don't understand why there's no peace in my life. I don't understand why the, any of these things are in my life. Well, first of all, those are fruit of the Spirit. And so if you've cut the Spirit off in your life, guess what you're not going to have? The fruit of the Spirit. And if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, guess what? You're not going to find joy. You're not going to find the peace. You're not going to find the contentment and the happiness and the long-suffering towards others and the gentleness towards others. You're not going to find those things in your life because you have, you have quenched the Spirit. And you've allowed that to cut off the fruit that God desires to have in you. And so James is saying, he says, look, just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. But you cannot produce the works in you. Coming to church is not a good work unless it's spirit filled. And it's the spirit that's doing the work in you. Reading your Bible is not a good work Unless it's the Spirit who's leading and directing you and guiding you as you read through the Word of God. And we have to understand when we look back then at the branch when he says, Hey, I'm the vine, ye are the branches. If you found yourself cut off from that, you've got to say, Holy Spirit, would you graft me back into the vine with Jesus Christ so I can produce the fruit that you desire in my life? But I know I have to do that through the Spirit and through the Spirit alone. Because I cannot do it on my own. I cannot do it for myself. James is saying that faith without works is dead, but this is not us doing works out of obligations. This is doing works because we're living by the Spirit. Because if you're just doing works out of your own strength and your own obligation, the work will never bring fruit. The only way for us to have fruit 
in our lives is to live by the Holy Spirit to abide in Christ. Those blessings that Jesus promises us when we abide in him are great and are ours by our nature of salvation. But if we refuse to abide in what is given to us by him, look what Peter says to us in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. It might be that you're in here today and you say, I'm even struggling whether, whether I even know Christ as my Savior. I'm trying to do all these good things to make them happy, but it doesn't seem like it's working. If there was a time in your life where you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you repented of your sins and you believed in him as your Lord and your Savior, you know Christ is your Savior, but it may be that you've not been abiding in him and not abiding in the spirit that he's given you and you've forgotten that you were purged from your old sins. And the only way that you are going to get that satisfied in your life is by returning and allowing the Spirit to rule and reign and guide and direct and bring you back to an abiding with Christ. People who try to do everything on their own without abiding in Christ have a dead faith. If your faith is dead today, there's hope for you. But you have to be willing to put yourself back in the right position of abiding in Christ. And we're going to come back to first, uh, first Peter here in just a, or Second Peter here in just a few minutes. Because I want us to see something of why it's so important to abide in Christ and allow His Holy Spirit to rule and reign in your life. Yeah. Number three, what happens when we do abide in Christ? All right, so now let's look at the positive. Right, so far the message has kind of been hard. What about the positives? What happens when we do abide in Christ? Just as this passage makes it clear the consequences of not abiding, it also makes clear the reward and the blessing of abiding. In verse number 4, he says, if we abide in him, he'll abide in you. Verse number 5, you will bring forth much fruit. Verse number 7, You'll ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, some people say, well, that means if I'm abiding in Christ, I can ask for a Porsche, and he's going to give it to me. Right? I don't think so. Porsche, according to Bob's uh, Porsche. So, is that what that means? No, because here's the thing I know. If we're abiding in the Spirit, He's also going to guide and direct us what we should ask. Yeah. And if the Spirit is directing us in what we should ask, then God's going to answer why. Because He's guiding and directing us into what we should ask for. Yeah. And you know what? I think God wants what's best for us. Does that mean sometimes God will guide us and he'll still say no? For our own good. What else? For abiding in him? Oh, well, 
just like verse 5, number 8 tells us that we're going to bear much fruit. Verse number 9, you will continue in his love. Verse number 10, you will abide in his love. There's far more blessings than there were negatives. <coughs> we see the great promises given to us in this command. But how can we abide in Christ? It's a choice. We have to choose to live in the Spirit's power and by His guidance. It isn't easy because we are constantly fighting against our old nature, our flesh. But the more you learn to yield to the Spirit, the more you'll see the blessings of Christ in your life. Because those blessings are our divine promise given to us at salvation. Look back at uh, 2 Peter. <coughs> uh, verses 1. I'm sorry, uh, 2 Peter 1, verses 2 through 8. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord. And I'm going to have a, a couple places for you to underline. And we're going to come back to this thought. According as, and underline these next few words, His divine power hath given. Those are the words I want you to underline. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, and then through the knowledge of Him. Underline that. That hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us, are given unto us, underline that, exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, underline those three words, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is the, the world of lust. Let's read that all together now without interruption. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, according as he hath divine, his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us into glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust and besides this giving all diligence Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see the tie-in to John chapter 15? It's talking about what's going to make us fruitful. Now, many people get hung up with the words giving all diligence and believe that it's by our own personal efforts that we grow in the areas that were listed here. But the giving of all diligence isn't pointing to our ability, but to Jesus' divine power and promise that he's given us through the Holy Spirit. Again, look back at those verses. I had you underline some key phrases in verse 3 and 4. Notice the words. His divine power hath given through the knowledge of him are given unto us. And that by these, the things that Peter writes and tells us to add to our faith are found 
And add it by us giving diligence to allow the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our lives. And what is amazing is that the divine nature has been given to us to live in that at the moment of salvation. Jesus said, I want you to abide in me. You think it's possible to abide in him? And it was given to you the moment that you accepted Christ as your Savior. He gave you the Holy Spirit. And he said, here is the Holy Spirit. I want you to have this. And now that I've given this to you, you can add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and patience and brotherly kindness and and charity. You can add all of these things to your life by the Holy Spirit. Do you see why it's important for us? To abide in Him? Yet how many people are going through their Christian life right now and they're trying to add all those things to themselves? And that's not what the Bible told us we could do. It has to be through the Spirit. You want fruit in your life? Then who do you need to abide in? Jesus you want to have a close relationship with God then you got to stop living in self and you got to start living by the spirit it is only through him and you think about it the greatest gift that he could ever give us besides our salvation was the indwelling of the spirit and he gave it to us the moment that we came to know him as our savior and yet many of us have said, God, I'm just going to turn the spigot off of your spirit and I'm going to live by myself. I'm going to do everything on my own. I'm not going to have you abide in me at all because I can do this. And yet he says, hey, if you'll do these things and you'll abide in me and you'll let the Holy Spirit guide and direct your life, I will make you that you are not barren or unfruitful, but are thriving in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So would we really be willing if God said, here's a house with everything that you need, and all you have to do is follow my rules. It can all be yours. Would we really accept that? then why don't we start living and abiding in him because of all the precious promises that he's given us? And why don't we encourage each other to live and abide in him? Why don't we stop going through the motions and start saying, God, you know what? I'm tired of just going through the motions because it means nothing to you. I want you to allow me to buy, abide in you and you abide in me. But God, I also know that question that was asked at the beginning. Remember what I said? How many of you guys would want the fullness and the fullness of blessing of God? And you would do whatever it takes no matter what it costs you. Most of us are afraid, myself included, 
to say, God, I want to abide fully in you. Christ, I want to abide fully in you. Spirit, I want you to have complete control of my life. Why? Because it removes self. We're afraid to do it because it means that we have to admit we have no control. The truth is we have no control anyways. It's a matter of us humbling ourselves before God. And saying, God, I understand I don't have control of my life anyways. I can't even know the own wickedness of my heart. But you can. And God, I want to abide in you. Because you promised me if I abide in you, that you're going to make me that I am full of fruit. And maybe you're here today and you're that second person who you have forgotten that you are purged from your old sins. You lack those things, the faith and the virtue and the knowledge and the temperance and the patience and the godliness and the kindness and the charity because you've been trying to do it all on your own. And you lack those things because you've not been living in the spirit and you've forgotten that you were purged from your old sins. Today is the day for you to get that settled with God and say, God, I know I can look back in a time in my life where I repented of my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I no longer want to live in defeat. I no longer want to live in a place where I forgot what you have purged me from. But God, I desire to abide in your son and your spirit to abide in me. And I desire to live for you so that my life is no longer fruitless but it's full of fruit for everything that you have done for me. Then today is the day to get that settled. Maybe you've been doing pretty well abiding in Christ, but I can tell you something. We probably all could do a little bit better. Moment by moment, we've got to surrender our lives to abiding in Him. It's not just a day-by-day thing. It's not just a week-by-week thing. It's a moment-by-moment, second-by-second choice to abide in Christ. We're going to go look at one last passage to close our message today. It's another passage written by John, but later in the Bible. It's a passage that sums up the struggle between living in the world and abiding in God. John expresses the commands of Christ in a way that challenges all his readers to see what's really important and why we must choose God about everything. To choose anything over God brings spiritual death. To, do, to choose God above all else is to tru- choose truly living. 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. Listen to what the author said by inspiration of the Spirit. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because listen to what he says. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Whew. Those are heavy words. What do you mean the world? Anything that takes our attention off of God. Even good things. You know that church can be part of the world. You realize, and this is going to sound strange, but a Bible, especially if we say 
Well, if you use any other version than this version, you must not love Jesus. You know what? That became an idol. It'd be a part of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Think about that. Lust of the flesh. I want other people to see what I'm doing. So they'll see how good of a Christian I am. Well, I guess that's technically lust of the eyes, too. I want to be seen by others. The lust of the flesh. I want praise. I desire to have the praise of men because it makes me feel significant. If your significance is found in the praise of men, then your life is completely insignificant. Because the only opinion that matters is God's. The pride of life. Well, look how good of a Christian I am. I've got this many scriptures memorized. I go to the church every time the doors are open. I hold to these traditions so strong that no one will ever break me of it. The pride of life. Something I'm learning as I really study the word of God. It's just how broken we really are. And just how much we need to love God more. And just how much more we need to draw closer to Christ. To make his word a part of every part of our life. It might mean radical transformation. It might mean radical transformation inside the church walls. But as a whole, we're saying, God, we want to abide in you. We want to abide in Christ. Is he ever going to lead us down a path that is contrary to what's best for our lives? No. Might it make us uncomfortable? Yeah. Have there been some things over the last few years as we've been drawing closer into the word of Christ that have maybe made us a little uncomfortable as a church as we've made some changes? Yeah. But don't we want a church who says, God, we want not only us as individuals to abide in you, but we want as a whole to be united in Christ and abiding in Christ. Listen to what he says here at the end of the verses. And the wor world passeth away. Do you want to settle for the temporary? Do you want to settle for the things that are going to be burned up in the end? The world passed away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever.
offers me the most amazing life I could ever have. God offers me an abundance of blessing, an abundance of favor. He, he promises that all of my needs will ever be supplied. He promises me that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He promises me a life of eternity. He promises me so much. Yet how often do I choose not to live in him? How often do I decide that my way is better? And, and here's the thing. We're dumb. We're like sheep. Is that not what Isaiah says? All ye like sheep have gone astray. You turned everyone to their own way. Because we know this is true. And we'll go through our life and we'll say, all right, I know that this is what God wants, but I like my way better and I'm going to still go my way. And then we're like, well, why did I do that? It led to nothing but trouble. And then we find ourselves at the same crossroad just down the road. Well, listen, okay. I can obey Christ and I can abide in him or I can choose to do my own thing. The last time I did my own thing, it got me in trouble. But Christ promises me if I abide in him that my life is going to be full of fruit. If I, if I do the things that he asks me to do, I'm going to have God's blessings. Okay, I'm going to go my own way. Is that not what we do? Thank God for his long-suffering and kindness towards us. But why don't we determine today, Sunday, February 25th, 2024, that God, with the best of my ability and your strength, from this day forward, I will always try to choose to abide in you rather than to go my own way. Well, Pastor, what happens when we go our own way? Quickly turn around and get back on the narrow way with Christ. You see how all these commands have been connecting together as well? The narrow way. Is it easy? Not necessarily. Is it full of blessing and promise and favor? Absolutely. Then let's stop jumping on the Broadway that leads to destruction and continue to abide in Christ. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. Whosoever will abide in me, I will abide in them. And you will be neither barren nor unfruitful. And God says, He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Mm -hmm.